Well, today we're starting a series on the death and burial of Jesus leading up to, uh, to Easter. We're in Matthew chapter 27. Today we're going to be looking at verse uh, 27 through 31. When you look at the Gospels, of course, there are four Gospel accounts in the New Testament that describe the life, ministry, and teaching of Jesus. And each of those four Gospels spends a vast amount of time on the last week of Jesus' life. So when we just look at just disproportionately the space that's given, it tells us about the importance of this time in Jesus' life when he would go and he would offer himself as a sacrifice. And of course, we know the rest of the story. He would also rise again that we might have the hope of the resurrection, right? And so we think about these, these details that are included. And so today as we look at this passage, I think we need to remember that the Gospels are highly selective accounts. That means that, that they didn't tell every detail. They just selected certain details to include. And that selection was guided by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if there was any time when you were in school and you had an assignment and, you know, you have like a length. I remember uh, the times when you have to write five pages or later 10 pages or whatever, and, and uh, you're supposed to write 10, you write eight, you're done, right? And so what do you do? You got to come up with two pages of fluff to meet the requirement. And so you just, you just repeat yourself a few times or something just to pad it and make it meet the requirements. Here's what I want you to understand today. Uh, with all my heart, I just don't believe there's an ounce of fluff in the New Testament. Every detail is there for a reason. And so sometimes when we read something, we, 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 we might just kind of run past it if we don't really ne- recognize immediately how it relates to our life. But I, I just don't think there's any detail that lacks significance in the New Testament. And so John, at the end of his gospel, he makes this comment about his gospel. Here's what he says in John 21, 25. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Uh, So so John, he even comments at the end of his gospel that they're only able to include certain things. So if they're only able to include just a small fraction of what Jesus did, then those, those accounts that are included are, are highly, highly important. So today's passage describes how the Roman soldiers mocked Jesus. Matthew, he emphasizes this aspect of the crucifixion more than any of the other gospels. He gives more words to it, more space to it than, than Mark, Luke, or John. And so today, I want to I encourage you for the next few moments just to let's seek together and really try to understand the significance of why this is given so much attention in Scripture that Jesus was mocked. When we think about Easter, our mind may immediately go to the resurrection. We may think about the horror of the crucifixion. But the Bible also tells us that before all that took place, he was mocked so for the next few moments i, I want to just kind of flesh out 
some things that I think this means for us today. Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 27. Would you join me in standing as we read this together? Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor, that, that, that is Pilate, who has now handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters. And they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail! king of the Jews and they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head and when they had mocked him they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him let's pray together father today we give thanks for your son who not only endured crucifixion and scourging, but who stood silently as he was mocked and insulted and spit upon. Father, help us today to give thanks for his love for us. May we worship him and be inspired to follow him. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus, we know, was rejected by the Jews. That's just what led to the crucifixion. If you've been with me for the past few weeks, you know that it was not the Romans' idea to crucify Jesus. Pilate didn't want to crucify Jesus. He tried everything in his power to manipulate the situation to set Jesus free. But the Jews were determined, and Pilate knew that it was out of envy that they wanted to crucify Jesus. But it was not just the Jews that rejected Jesus. He was also rejected by the Gentiles as well. Uh, the Bible tells us that this, this scene in, in, this, in the life of Jesus leading up here to the crucifixion, it says, then the soldiers of the governor. So these are all, these are all Roman soldiers. You remember when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? Uh, some of the temple guards came. But, but these are all Roman soldiers. Uh, there wouldn't have been any Jews serving there locally in Jerusalem. Uh, most likely, the Romans would have taken people from surrounding countries and brought them there to serve under Pilate. And so here Jesus is before a group of Gentiles. And the Bible says in the second part of that verse, they gathered the whole battalion before him. Well, a legion uh, was about 6,000 soldiers, and a battalion was a tenth of a legion. So there's somewhere around 600 soldiers here. And they have, they have all been gathered together for this spectacle. This was an extraordinary crowd for an extraordinary prisoner. Pilate didn't need 600 soldiers to secure Jesus. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, once Peter had been rebuked by Jesus, there was no resistance or rebellion. The 600 soldiers were all brought in simply to enjoy mocking 
and insulting Jesus. And Jesus had predicted this in advance. Matthew chapter 20, this is seven chapters earlier in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 20, he records this uh, instance in which Jesus was teaching his disciples about this. And it says, and as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and on the way he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man, that's Jesus' favorite self-designation, and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death. Notice it's not Pilate, but they would condemn him to death. And listen to this, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked. Jesus knew what awaited in Jerusalem. And as he foretold this to his disciples and tried to teach them what was to come, he even explained to them that the Gentiles would mock him. When we think about Jesus coming into the world, Here's what John says about it in John chapter 1. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. That's, that's the Jews, his own people. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God you see Jesus is a savior to be received he's a savior not just to the Jews but to all who would receive him. And on this day, Jesus was not only delivered up by the Jews, but before the Gentiles, he would be mocked, insulted, spit upon, and beaten. But the good news is, is you see that Jesus endured this suffering, not just for the Jews so they could be saved, but for the Gentiles as well. Paul would describe this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I don't know if we have any Jews here today. Uh, I'm not aware of, of any uh, uh, immediate Jewish ancestry that I have. I'm what the Bible would call a Gentile. Uh, most of us here today are what the Bible would call a Gentile. To be a Gentile is just to, to not be a Jew. And on this occasion, when the soldiers gathered together, it was a great crowd, 600 soldiers that were Gentiles that mocked him and beat him and spit upon him, and yet he endured it. The irony of the soldiers mocking is that everything recorded in Scripture that they said was true if only they had meant it. So the Bible says in verse 28, and they, they stripped him 
and put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him they mocked him saying hail king of the jews if we think back to ancient times uh, uh, there were some common customs just like there are today and kings wore uh, purple it was a very expensive color it was the color of royalty they sat on a throne they wore a crown and they often carried a scepter which is a symbol of their power and authority and so on this day the the soldiers dress jesus up like a king mocking him they take the bible says a a scarlet robe most likely what they did is they grabbed one of the officers capes all the roman soldiers the officers wore a reddish purplish cape would have been the closest thing around that looks something like a, a purple robe and then they took some thorns and they put them together and they made a crown and they stuck it on his head and then they got a, a reed and they put it in his hand like he was holding a scepter and then they took turns coming around and kneeling before him saying hail king of the Jews after all this was the charge that Jesus had been charged with wasn't it when Jesus had went before Pilate, Matthew chapter 27, verse 11, it says, now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you have said so. The, the, the Jews were envious and jealous of Jesus. They were afraid they might lose their power if more people followed him. And so they brought every charge they could. But Pilate was not concerned with religious laws. Uh, Jesus had blasphemed. That didn't mean anything to Pilate. So they needed something that would stick. And so they came up with this charge of sedition, trying to raise up a rebellion against Rome. And so they presented Jesus as a man who had claimed to be king. And on that day, as Pilate went to interview Jesus, he said, are you the king of the Jews? And Pilate, as he listens to Jesus' answers, he realizes that Jesus is not in any way claiming to be the kind of king that Rome needs to deal with or fear. But nonetheless, as he brought Jesus out and Barabbas, that notorious criminal, and he asked the people to choose. The Bible says that the chief priests had stirred up the crowd. And so they called for Barabbas. And three different times, Pilate would go back to them again. And finally, Pilate says, why? What has he done? Pilate, in every way, tries to set Jesus free. And then he says, so what should I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And it was the crowd that yelled, crucify him. So Jesus, now being turned over to the soldiers, to be crucified for the crime of being the king. They put a robe on him and a crown of thorns and a reed in his hand like a scepter and they, they mock him. 
Herod had also rejected the king of the Jews. You remember how Matthew's gospel begins? He tells us about wise men who had come from the east because they saw a star. And in Matthew chapter 2, this is what it says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And Jesus, from the very beginning, was hailed king of the Jews. The soldiers would later mean it mocking, but the wise men came in sincerity. And Herod was greatly troubled, thinking that some might accept and believe this. And so he tries to get the wise men to come back and reveal Jesus' location so that he can execute him. But his plan fails. And so he executes an entire village hoping to get Jesus, the next king of the Jews. You see, king of the Jews was Herod's title given to him by Rome. And so we find that Jesus, everything that the disciples or everything that the soldiers said about Jesus, even though they were mocking him, it was true. He is the king of the Jews. And he's not just the king of the Jews, but he's the king of the world. He's the king of every world that exists, for he created it. And Jesus is a, is a king to be obeyed. The soldiers mock, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, but you and I need to say it and, and, and mean it. You know how Revelation describes Jesus and his return? In Revelation 19, verse 16, it says, On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. On that day, the soldiers mocked Jesus, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They said the right words, but they said it with the wrong heart. The soldiers mocked him. They struck him and they spit on him. But Jesus never said a word. You can go home today and reread this passage 10 times if you want to. You will not find a word recorded from Jesus. And Jesus stood in silence and he took the insult and the injury upon himself. It says in verse 30, And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Jesus had foretold with his disciples that he would be mocked by the Gentiles. But the Old Testament prophet Isaiah also gives us insight to this day. He too prophesied about what would happen. In Isaiah 53, verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep 
that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Most of us today have trouble after hearing one smart aleck comment, not responding likewise, don't we? But on that day, as they spit on him and mocked him and insulted him, they took that reed from his hand and they beat him with it. Jesus stood silent. Jesus, who had the power to speak and in their life in a moment, stood silent. In Isaiah chapter 50, another chapter in Isaiah, this is what the, the prophet Isaiah prophesied. He said, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. These, these words recorded by Isaiah were hundreds of years before Jesus. And yet through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he saw what our Lord would endure for us. That he would be mocked, he would be beaten, he would be spit upon, and yet he would remain silent. Because Jesus was going to offer himself as a sacrifice. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Jesus' one of his most well-known sermons, listen to what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him, the other also. Jesus never asked us to do anything that he did not model for us. Jesus, who preached on enduring insult, on this day, he stood silent. You see, Jesus, he is a leader to be followed. As we think about what Jesus did on this day, uh, if we understand it, it should leave us in awe of, of who he is. And as we stand in awe, understanding who Jesus is, it should lead us to worship him. You see, the Gentiles rejected him. Jesus had already told his disciples that this must happen. But Jesus died for them as well. To all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus was rejected by the Gentile soldiers. He was mocked as a king. But he is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords and he is worthy of our worship and our submission and our obedience and jesus who taught to turn the other cheek jesus who taught to not retaliate but to endure suffering and persecution on this day he stood silent as they spit upon him, 
and beat him. Do you know why Jesus did all of this? Because Jesus was not a victim. He was not a victim of circumstance. He was not a victim of the Jews. He was not a victim of the Roman Empire. He was following the plan of the Father in perfect obedience and submission to lay down his life so that you and I could have a means of being forgiven. That's who Jesus is. And that's why we ought to worship him today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your son that endured shame and suffering and persecution that we might be forgiven. Lord, I pray today that you'd speak to us in this moment. If there's anyone here, anyone that's listening or watching, that's never been forgiven. I pray that the story of the suffering that Jesus endured might move them to faith. God, help us to respond to you as you've called out and reached for us. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Jesus died so that you and I could be forgiven. He died so that you and I could be said, but this is not automatic you're an American because you were born in America but nobody's born a Christian we're born again and we become a Christian when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus so today I want to ask you have you made that decision in your life if not here's what the Bible says about the timing for that it says today is the day of salvation what that means is salvation is not something that you put off indefinitely there's no time like the present to make your decision Jesus died for you so that you could live and if you've never understood that before believed it or received it today if in sincerity you simply cried out to the Lord and asked for forgiveness your life could be changed for all eternity if you need help with that prayer I want to invite you to step out from your seat in just a moment as we sing and meet me at the front and I'll be glad to pray with you and help you make your decision maybe you've trusted in Christ but you've never followed him publicly in baptism baptism is not something the church invented it's something the Lord commanded and modeled for us Jesus who had no need to be baptized was baptized as an example for us already this year we've seen several people come and profess their faith publicly through baptism if you need to do that there's no time like the present I'd encourage you today to make that decision to follow through and profess your faith publicly for those of us that are believers God has a mission and a purpose for our life and so I want to encourage you this morning as we sing just to say a quick prayer and say, God, what do you want to do with my life right now in this season? And I believe God will speak to you and he'll direct you. So however you need to respond, 
Let's do it now as we sing. Let's stand together.